Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look at the steam coming off that podcast. Give a little blow and crack on. Welcome to the Off Menu Podcast. Oh, look at the steam coming off that podcast. <laughs> James Acaster here. That's that gamble who said that first. Bit. Hello. Yes, it was me. It's true. Uh, welcome to the Off Menu Podcast, where myself and James speak to a special guest. And what do we ask them, James? We ask them to name their favourite ever start a main course, dessert, side dish and drink. And this week's guest is Louis, Louis Theroux. Theroux. Yes, actual Louis Theroux. Very exciting to have him in the Dream Restaurant. Slightly worried he's going to ask some difficult questions. Don't you know. answer any of his questions, Ed. Oh, but He'll he's make so disarming. You look a fool. He's so disarming and he leaves gaps to answer. And then I'm going to tie myself up in knots and say something incriminating. Exactly. So just, just you keep your mouth shut. Okay. Answer any of his questions. I guarantee to you, I will keep my mouth shut. Thank you, Ed. But listen, hey, if Louis Farouk picks a secret ingredient that we deem to be unacceptable, we will kick him out of the restaurant. That's the rules every single week. And this week, the secret ingredient is... Tarragon. 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 Now, I don't mind tarragon uh, in some things. My mum makes a dish called chicken tarragon, which is very nice. But in other things, tarragon's unacceptable. I'd never eat raw tarragon, for example. It tastes too aniseedy, and I don't like aniseed. We've covered this before. Yes, and I don't know what it is. Okay, so, so it's tarragon. If Louis Theroux says tarragon, I think it's disgusting. James uh, does not know what it is. Uh, he will be removed from the restaurant. Uh, but before we dive into the off-menu menu of Louis Theroux, James, we have some exciting news, do we not? Uh, Ed, does the word merch mean anything to you? It sure How does. How about undice? Yes, and put those together and what do you get? Undice merch. And we yeah. are releasing our own line of 
Merchandise, of course. Uh, we're releasing T-shirts. We're releasing tote bags. We're releasing mugs. All with fantastic designs on them. We have asked four of our favourite designers uh, to do designs for these T-shirts and for the rest of the merch. We've got brilliant artists. Uh, let's let's go through them, James, because I, yes. I want to tell people what, what they can expect. So we've got four different brilliant T-shirts. Lucy Moore, who's a brilliant artist, uh, has done you as a genie uh, and me as the maitre d' of the restaurant. It's a wonderful design. There's a little lamp on there. I've got blue skin. I'm right in the menu with my hands. I've got an orange apron on. And you have a very lovely jawline and an orange little bow tie. Yes, I do. Uh, so that's, that's available for purchase. Uh, because I love heavy metal, uh, one of my favourite artists in the world, Ian Seller, has done a heavy metal design. He's done like the off-menu logo, but in a black metal style thing. Uh, I'm in a shroud. I'm sacrificing you on a cheese board. Uh, I, it's amazing. I, I absolutely love it. Open, like in, at the end of Hannibal, but it's fondue in my head. And you've got a cheese knife, and I'm on a sacrificial tablet, like a stone tablet. There's cheeses all over it. And there's two little gravestones on the side to custard and to ice cream. I mean, I absolutely love it. Ian Seller is uh, such a good artist. I've let him put art onto my body forever. Oh. He's done three of my tattoos. Oh, tattoos. Okay, cool. Yeah. I will wear that T-shirt a lot, but not forever. Sure. No context off menu. Familiar with it? Oh, yeah. It's a Twitter account. We reached out to, we're going to keep their name a secret. No context off menu. No context. And they've done us a lovely T-shirt. The front of the T-shirt is the No Context logo, which is the the hand right in the the order. And the back, um, I don't know if this makes sense to anyone, there's a sign that points to the River Thames. It says Danger underneath it. And also on the lamppost, there's a little bit of graffiti saying Mash King was here. If you understand those references. (laughs) It's in off-menu orange. Uh, And finally, we have an official Poppadoms or Bread T-shirt done by Paul Gilby, who also did uh, a lot of the original off-menu artwork. Uh, it's pictures of me and James in various poppadom or bread situations on the front and on the back, just to really drive the point home, it says poppadoms or bread. Doesn't even say off-menu on that T-shirt. That's for the hardcore fans to spot each other in a crowded room. So, if you like the sound of that, we're also doing mugs uh, with Lucy Moore's design on, a tea towel with Lucy Moore's design on, uh, and a couple of tote bags with Paul and Lucy's designs on. So, where you need to go to pre-order this merch is offmenupodcast.co.uk. The merch is up there now for pre-order. Go on, see what you like, buy one, buy two, buy it all! Oh, I would struggle not to buy them all if I listened to the podcast and got the references and knew what it was about. (laughs) It's a great podcast, James, I promise. Um, so, once you have bought that merch, you can sit there in your brand new merch listening to this episode that was recorded over the internet with the wonderful Louis Louis Peru. Welcome, Louis Theroux, to the Dream Restaurant. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. <laughs> Welcome, Louis Farouk, to the Dream Restaurant. We've been expecting you for some time. Now, there's... See, we got your attention there, didn't we? Uh, the genie has arrived, the genie waiter. I was, I'm sort of the more relaxed uh, human side of the restaurant. I welcome people in initially, and then the genie appears and really grabs people's attention. I liked the sound effects. Is, is, is James going to channel the genie? I am yes. the genie, and I'm he channeling is. the genie, just like you are channeling Louis Farouk. Right. Okay, I like it. <laughs> 
I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I oh. only get to speak to like one or two people a day. I'm still in lockdown. I, 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 I'm trying to break out of lockdown, but I'm so used to it. It's like when you haven't moved, you know, from a single position and your joints stiffen up, you know, figuratively, <laughs> I'm kind of just still in that crouch, that social crouch. And so when I do speak to people outside my bubble, I some, it's very exciting. And, and then sometimes I get I overexcited and I babble. So apologies if I'm babbling. Babbling is acceptable. Who is in your bubble? Your babble bubble. Mainly by the babble ma- bubble. Mainly in my bubble is my wife, my three children, chiefly. There's another family. I mean, basically, there's a. You know when they, the government said you can have one other family you're in a bubble with. So there yeah. was a family who live close to us, and their kids are of similar ages, so they're in the bubble. And then I've got a director, Tom, who we've been working on an archive-based show, four-part archive series. I don't even know if it's officially announced, so I may have accidentally given you an exclusive. <laughs> but um, And there's four episodes in which I look back at my um, 25 years in TV choosing highlights from the archive, and then I do little Zoom chats, very sparingly, because the Zoom chats can get old quite quickly, with people who I haven't seen in 20 years to see how they fared in the subsequent time after I saw them. That was a long answer to your question, which was a straightforward question about who's in the bubble. So the director's <laughs> in the bubble. He had to the be director. in the bubble, otherwise he couldn't film. Yeah. How, long do you think, how long do you think you'll stay in lockdown for? Do you, you know how they were lockdown deniers? Mm. Are you now like a normal life denier? Do you refuse to leave? <laughs> I, I, that's a great question. I like to think that I contain multitudes in the sense of like I have a little bit of 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 COVID denier in me. I have a little bit of uh, normal life denier. All these impulses are jostling inside me. Like I often think that's why I'm, uh, insofar as I'm good at my job, if I am good, it's because I sort of see everyone I meet, like I see something in them that I can relate to. So right now, I guess I am more in the sort of normal life denier side, but I'm not really. Like I'm just, get me out there. I was out like a week ago. We did one day in the office just to rem- sort of remind ourselves what it was like um, and actually to say goodbye to the office because we've had to let it go. We've got a little production company and we had to sort of say, you know what, um, there's no need for this office now. And I cycled into work and had my bicycle stolen. Oh, what? I mean, I didn't have it stolen. That sounds like I wanted <laughs> someone to steal it. Would you mind stealing it? No, it was stolen and... Um, Really annoyingly, like they just clipped through the um, the padlock. And th- the point of that is that was my lifeline. You know, especially now in a world where it's complicated just to get on public transport, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I feel I've sort of been forced into an extended lockdown by lack of a bike. You're thinking, well, dude, get a grip. Go buy a bike, okay? <laughs> you work in television. I think you can afford a bike. I can see you thinking that. Okay, here's what I'm going to say to that. I went down to the bike shop. It was full of bikes. I said, I'd, you know, how much? Do you sell any secondhand ones? I was trying to be thrifty. He said, we don't, we don't sell any right now. I like, why not? He said, we got no stock. There's no bikes have arrived in two months. We, we, they're on order. He had no bikes. There's no bikes to be had. Yeah, this there's is a, COVID there's a real world. Drought of bikes. Yeah, it's madness. No bikes. No wonder my bike got them. stolen. Yeah. Yeah. You've now got to go. You've you've got to go and steal a bike now. That's how it works. Yeah, it's the circle of life. Do you think so? It's blood in, blood out. You've actually got to. The hunter must. The hunted must become the hunter. That's Mm. the cliche of action films, isn't it? In the third act, I've got to go out and club a man. (laughs) 
Well, and well, no one said no one said no, that, Louis. You've no, no one brought that up. <laughs> we said you had to steal a bike, and now yeah, you've gonna, you've brought in clubbing I'm a man. Got a man yeah. up, get a. They used to in prison. They say lock in a sock. Lock in a sock <laughs> is your device of choice. Bike lock in a sock. Get out there. It would be very ironic if I killed the the thief with the remains of the lock, because the lock was left behind, right? Mm. Like a sad little, I don't know, like a sad little metal snake, dead snake, there. (laughs) You know, like have the decency to clear up after your burglary, right? You just left it there as if to say, yeah, I just snipped through your lock. Took me about (laughs) mm, five seconds. Maybe not even. <laughs> so left it lying there like a signature, like a serial killer's calling card. So what I need to do is get the remains of the lock and put them in a sock and then beat him to death with it, right? Sure. I think that's what, I, yeah, I think that's what yeah. you have to do. This is what happens when, like, <laughs> some of the, like I, I don't think you'd find many people who are, like, you know, quite middle class, but because you've done documentaries, you can, you can start sentences by... In prison, they have a saying, lock in a sock. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you've got prison smarts yeah. doing documentaries. Do you think you've filmed so much in prisons that you could you could last yeah. quite a long time? How long could you last in prison? Well, okay, great question. And don't think I haven't wondered that myself. It really does depend on the prison. Uh, in San Quentin, which is the one I made a programme about, I think I could maybe... Look, I'm going to sound totally ludicrous because I realise, like, I don't fight. I'm an effete, um, public school-educated, South London, middle-class, bookish man, right? I nearly said boy. (laughs) Boy man. I've done a lot of Joe Wicks. Okay, that's on that side. I have done a lot of Joe Wicks in Mm. lockdown, right? So, no, I'm not a weakling. No one's even saying that. Maybe they are, but they're wrong. So, uh... I, I, it's not so much that I'm going to be able to man up and fight, quite evidently. Mm. I think maybe with social skills and savvy, I could get by. I, it's a hard one to call, guys. I think I'd struggle. <laughs> I think I would struggle. Well, so, this, this, is, this is not a prison podcast, so we should probably... Uh, oh, yeah. we, before we do that, Louis, you've, you've brought us a gift to the Dream Restaurant. You've brought us a copy of your book. How, how, how apropos that you should say that when it's... Sitting right here on my desk. Got to get through this. You've Gotta leaned into the pun. This. I absolutely appreciate that. Love it. It's out in paperback. You, you just um, smelt it. You just, just smelt your smelt, own book. Smelt the I middle just of the smelt book. it. It didn't smell of anything. This one's been around too long. When they came out of the box, they all had a lovely new book smell. Mm-hmm. If you go you deep like... enough in, it's still there. Yeah, you the get your nose right in the crease. My nose that you're doing is right that. in there. My nose is right in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's our, thank you for mentioning that and and there I'm, pu- I'm passing it to you now through the screen oh thank you so much there you go yeah enjoy basically it is a book which is about it's my life in strange times in television i i um i turned 50 this year and i was conscious you know in the last couple of years i've been conscious of getting older and i suppose you know i've been in tv 25 years and um I just thought it was maybe time to open up. You know, I used to be precious in the early days about not showing too much of myself. Like I thought that um, I used to really admire people like Chris Morris, the TV prankster and satirist. And and later on, I suppose there were people like, well, Sasha Baron Cohen, of course, and Banksy, all of them who, who, who seemed sort of alluring and mysterious and very sort of 
there was almost kind of an avant-garde aspect to what they did because they were so reluctant to embrace the celebrity machinery, right? And I thought, yeah, that's what I need to be. And then I don't think anyone really noticed that I was being <laughs> mysterious. And I think people just thought, oh, um, yeah, you're just not very successful. You make your TV programs, but no one really cares about you. And I think as time went on, I got, I just thought, you know what, I need to just actually open up and talk more about the stories behind the stories, if that makes sense. And I think it was partly going on Adam Buxton's podcast that did it was a feeling that um, people responded to those shows where I found myself unselfconsciously talking about family life, about my anxieties, about just just sort of the random nonsense that preoccupies me. So that informed the fact that I felt comfortable talking about those parts of my life that you don't see in the TV shows. So it's basically how I make my programs with a with with a with a large side order of um who Louis is at home. Does that make sense? I used a food yeah. metaphor. Lovely, for you. thank you. Yeah, and then we're straight back in. That's great. There we're back go. in the dream restaurant. Still or sparkling water, Louis? I'm gonna say um do, do you serve tap? Yeah. <laughs> we can serve tap, absolutely. Do you want me to go and get you a glass of tap water, or do you want a tap at your table? Could you just get me a, ju- a jug of um, filtered tap water with, like, a slice of lemon in it? And I don't want any passive-aggressive, like... <laughs> I don't want you to look disappointed, like, there goes that m- bit of the margin in a very trying time for the hospitality industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you for chiselling at our margins. Our already diminished margins are further reduced by the man ordering tap water, which he well knows we get no money from. It's an environmental thing. You seem to be quite worried that people think you're cheap, Louis. We've already had the discussion about the bike, and now there's the you're very defensive about your tap water, water order. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not worried about it. I am. Pr- I think I am proud of it. Maybe I am a little defensive. It was just when, when I said tap, I saw James <laughs> looking like... <laughs> Um, you know, I'm a genie and I could have produced a bottle from thin air, but now I have to go over and turn on a tap. And that's very, well, that's in, undignified for a genie to have well, a actually, is, actually. I, I, the, the look was because you said you wanted a whole jug of tap water with one slice of lemon in it. Was my actual, <laughs> that was the actual look, was that I was wondering why the ratio of lemon to water was uh, so. It's more for the aesthetics, isn't it? Can you put some chopped mint in there or something? Something yeah. that makes it feel like it's a bit anticlimactic when a jug arrives. Here's your tap water and it's got nothing in it. No ice. Mm-hmm. Not, I like to see something in the water. Like some, like they do at Leon. Do you ever eat at Leon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Leon, of the fast food restaurants on offer, I would say that's up there. And um, that's a really good one. And they, you, go, do you, you know, you go and get your own little tap water thing and they've got it in a jug and there's mint it doesn't really taste that different from normal water, but it's, it's got vegetation in it, mm-hmm. and that means something to me. It shows you've, you've put a little bit of attention in it. Well, this is the dream restaurant, Louis, so we can put whatever you like in that jug. It doesn't have to be conventional. It doesn't have to be mint. We could put a, a goldfish in there. We could put something a bit showier. Jolly ranchers. I think the, the mint will be fun. If you can think of another herb, like, would lavender be nice in there, like... Or lemon balm, or just something that feels it's taking it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do like gazpacho, so maybe yeah. if if yeah, 
instead of water, I'd just like a jug of gazpacho, please. Perfect. That's what... <laughs> with, with olive oil. Uh, you know, instead of ice cubes, you can yeah. do like oil cubes. Have you ever seen that? No. no. Frozen cubes of olive oil bobbing around and a goldfish. Yeah. So instead of water, let's just get this right. You'd like a jug of gazpacho with olive oil cubes and a goldfish. Yeah. Perfect. Waiter, <laughs> the goldfish is struggling. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did ask for it, sir. Yeah, but I thought it was going to like it, and it doesn't look like it likes it. <laughs> the oil cubes have started to melt, and it's making things difficult for the yeah. goldfish. Would you like us to remove the goldfish, sir? Uh, I think I think probably you should. What would you like us to put it into when we remove it, though? Sparkling, please. <laughs> <laughs> this poor goldfish. The things that goldfish go through, we could do a whole separate episode on that. Do you remember... I don't know if they still do this, but the vision of um, goldfishes in plastic bags at the fairground. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I won one once, yeah. And the mystery of how they managed to keep them alive, presumably travelling across country, jiggling around in their plastic bags, like (laughs) as they go on bumpy roads and motorways and arriving and they set, they hang up the goldfish and then you win it and you take it home and and within eight hours, it's dead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, almost like it's got a chip in its brain and they just detonate it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, how, or yeah. how is that? It seems quite strange. Well, Unless I think it was something we did. Yeah. Or, or, or the goldfish just really loved living at the fair and yeah. you took it from its home and its heart broke. It died of. We took it to the vet. It's funny you should say that because we took it to the vet um, just to do an autopsy. Yeah. And, and the doctor examined it for 15 minutes. He looked up to me and he said, This is extraordinary, but. It honestly looks like it died of heartbreak. (laughs) Which is not what you need to hear, is it? No. No, no, not. How do you test for that? This goldfish died of heartbreak. Of a broken heart is the phrase. He died of a broken heart. Of a broken heart. Not of heartbreak. Of a broken heart. (laughs) It's sad when they say that about... When when it happens with old people, people almost love it when the second one dies of a broken heart. (laughs) I know, the romance. People can't resist it. It's almost, what's the word, morbid. It's a sort of morbid Mm. desire to see. So sad, he died of a broken heart. Mm. When it's actually probably angina, right? People just want to believe. Yeah, that's a broken heart, technically, isn't it? They just want to believe in love. It's just nonsense. Or is it? I shouldn't say. It may not be nonsense, but they can't test for that, can they? What did the autopsy say? It was confirmed. You know, James is making fun of it, but actually um, when they did do the test, they opened up the heart and in the left ventricle was a single tear. (laughs) And then you say, you read that in the autopsy, yeah. So you sure it didn't say there was a single tear? (laughs) Oh, yeah, maybe that's what it was. Pumpkins or bread? Pop and arms or bread, Louis. Pop and arms or bread. Um, pop and arms or bread. I think I'm going to go bread, but mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to touch the bread. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Tactic. I just want it at the table. I really don't approve. I'm quite um, puritanical about dining out, and I don't approve of filling up on bread. Would you like some bread that's very easy to resist that you're not really that fond of? Or would you like your favourite bread so you can feel pretty proud that you resisted it? 
definitely that. And also pleased at the rest that I've chosen a good restaurant and somewhere where they, they make that extra bit of effort. Mm-hmm. You know, in America, places like Red Lobster, that one in particular, I think that chain, if you know it, and they bring um, like these sweet sort of little mini loaves and they're warm when they arrive and they're wrapped they're in a little basket and they've got sort of a, a kind of napkin over them. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and, and it's, it's, it looks very appealing. So something like that. And then I would proudly maybe have a nibble on one of them think, that's delicious, but I'm not going to have any more. Right. And nor are you, by the way. No, I, I'm not going to. Surely, not the nibble, with you. surely the nibble is the kiss of death there. If you're nibbling, mm. the whole thing's going in. No. No, no, no. That's the whole strength. That's mind over matter. That's uh, mm. you. You can't be weak. You've got to have a nibble. You're not. It's not that you're not tempted, but if you've got to have. You just have a little nibble and enough to just get the sense of the taste, and then and then and then move it. What are you going to do? Eat the whole pile of loaves? Forget <laughs> it. And then leave the restaurant and say, actually, do you know what? I don't need a meal now. I've changed my mind. The bread's done the job. So you you want you want temptation bread, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You want the sweet loaves from Red Lobster? Yeah. Poppadoms are like, um, they're enormous crisps, really, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that a fair character? I don't think they're, ma- they're not made of potato, are they? They're, they're probably rice flour, are they? I think they're lentils, or lentils, is it? I think you're right. Good knowledge. So you nibble on those, but again, it's like eating a packet of quavers before you start your meal. A poppadom you would have at home, though, right? Like... If you're not going to a restaurant, you're not going to sit down to a meal and then just pull a loaf of bread out of the cupboard, are you? Mm. No, that's a good point. Which is a great, that's a great point, by the way. We don't do that at home, do we? No. Like, here's a delicious meal that I've cooked. I've really gone to a lot of effort. Okay, I'm really looking forward to eat that. Just let me get halfway through this loaf of Hovis <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, I'll try that. We come to your starter, Louis. Your dream starter I, I thought a lot about this dream meal and it's it's very eclectic and you could say almost to the point of being inedible but it's <laughs> I, I wish I, I wanted to draw in all the things that I love and I love pizza right yeah. and and I've been making uh homemade pizza in lockdown w- with a with a um a little wood-fired portable pizza oven but anyway there's a there's a kind of pizza that they make in New York, and there's a specific restaurant in um, Brooklyn called Grimaldi's, which is famous. Although, actually, funnily enough, all pizza restaurants in New York say world famous, don't they? <laughs> and, 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 and almost as though by announcing that, that will make them famous. And you suspect they may be not world famous. But Grimaldi's, I think, is world famous. And this, the pizza is delicious. I have nostalgic associations with it due to having lived in New York. And I love pizza. I just, I really, I think I said that and I'm going to probably say it too many times now. <laughs> I just want a very small one. Yeah. Because, they, which they don't do at Grimaldi's, but this is the dream restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fill up on pizza because I want to save room for my main. Yeah. But just enough to sort of feel like I've, I've, I've kind of ticked that box, that delicious pizza box. So that's interesting because essentially pizza is bread with stuff on it, right? Mm-hmm. So no yeah. wonder you're rejecting the initial bread because you know yeah. you've got a different form of bread coming up. Mm. Yeah. The, the bread kind of came through the back door, didn't it? And you could say, well, I'm contradicting myself, but I think this is the dream restaurant, so it's different, isn't it? I'm basically, my starter is a bread-related, 
yeah, product. So it is consistent. It's not a mm. contradiction. I always think there's something very impressive watching people do cooking pizzas in those ovens where they yeah. slide it off the thing and then like slide it under and turn it around and then get the thing back out again. There's a nice sort of jabbing action where they are with a long, because mine obviously isn't that, my, my, my pizza spatula, whatever, it's probably got a name. Paddle? Probably, paddle, yeah. My paddle's not that um, not that long. I'm tr- this, listen, I'm tr- I feel like there's a double entendre <laughs> hoving in this view and I'm trying to avoid it. So, um, and so they do that thing where they move it around. And the whole thing, the other thing is the dough, the way they twist it and throw it, mm. which clearly I'm not able to do. But there's a lot of, you know, when you become a proper... Now I'm going to use this word. Is it pizza war, pizza olo, pizza iolo? There is a oh, word, isn't there? Is there? I think I didn't there know is. That. It's basically like a pizza guy in Italian. Right. Pizza, with you, when you become a qualified pizza wolo, I'm going to say <laughs> yeah. it like that. Um, you can do all of that. It probably takes years of training. And you've said that you want a little pizza, but you haven't said what the topping's going to be yet. Or yeah. I would like to know what your favourite topping is to do at home. Yeah, that's easy because um, I would just go for a um, a margarita, you know, mm-hmm. your basic. If they want to throw some torn basil leaves on, fine. Very happy with that. You know, because with the pizza, really, what you're just looking for is this, the, is, the, is the dough being cooked at a very high heat. So you get the classic leopard spotting, which is the mm-hmm. carbonization and the, the quality of the crust, the crispiness, that slight on the edge of being burnt in places, and then a really good tomato sauce, and then the mozzarella, fantastic. Maybe a little bit of um, uh, pepper, you know, pepper, what do they call it? Hot pepper mm-hmm. sprinkled on it, and that's that's it. I would do that at home. But at the home we did a few where we put some mushrooms on or put some um, pesto on, but you, that's all optional. I not think necessary. that shows a real maturity when, you know, you finally grow out of over overtopping a pizza. Because I think now I'm more I'm more into the simple toppings on a pizza. I used to be all in, double cheese, pepperoni, mm. every meat feast, that sort of thing. But I think as you get older, you start to remove toppings. I think you do. I think you start to notice the the the, the, the sort of subtler dimensions to the pizza. As I say, like the the quality of the crust and the sauce. You know that if you're doing it right, you don't need much. Mm. The first ever pizza that I made. I made it in secondary school in food class. We, we, could, we could do whatever we wanted. I chose chocolate spread, then marshmallows <laughs> on top of it, and then hundreds and thousands on top of that. <laughs> I, I made a sweet bread, obviously, and bought it home, and my mother was appalled. <laughs> was it delicious? Yeah, I loved it. I had the best day of my life. I was absolutely, absolutely delighted, but... I was the only one who did that. Everyone else did savoury ones. I felt like a mad professor. I wonder if that is even technically a pizza. No disrespect. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, I think that savouriness is part of what makes a pizza pizza. Even when when you just, if you remove the tomato sauce, you're you're still a pizza, but they call it a a white pizza, I think. Right. Right? So Mm. they're already qualifying it. So like, guys, it's, yeah, is it a pizza? Well, it's a white pizza, right? If you came out like, what pizza is it? And it's got 
chocolate spread. Yes. It's a brown pizza, isn't it? It's a brown pizza. At at best. Yeah. It might not even be a pizza. But then the hundreds and thousands add so many different colours to it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's like the the torn basil leaves. Because you know how, like, the margarita is, like, the flag of Italy. I'd I'd forgotten that, but that's right, isn't it? Yes. Because it's it's the same as the flag of Ireland, isn't it? Yes. Mine. (laughs) Which is weird, isn't it? (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Mine was all. Mine was the flag of. Uh, it was every flag. Yeah, it was all the flags. <laughs> it was all the flags of the world. Mine was like the UN of pizzas. Yours was the flag of Acaster. Yeah, exactly. Which is mine. a which is a brown. It's a large brown flag <laughs> with lots of little flecks of other colours in. Yeah, representing the many shades of you. Yeah, exactly. All the shades of my personality. But mainly chocolate. <laughs> mainly chocolate. But mainly brown. Yeah. <laughs> mainly, brown. mainly dark brown. Yeah. Your main course, a big pizza? No. It's going to be a slow roast, like a, like a kind of southern slow roast. Do you know what I mean? Where you, mm-hmm. if you ever if you ever travel in I know they do it in England or in the UK as well. But if you travel in the South, places like Oklahoma and Texas, they have these barbecue shacks where they've got and they they look like they're big drums. Some of them might even be converted oil drums, and um, I guess they steam roast these. Um, I guess hogs, <laughs> or maybe it's yeah. beef. I don't even know what kind of meat it is and sometimes they, they go that's been in there for 16 hours like this is very tender yeah. that's been in there for 16 hours <laughs> by like on presumably on quite a low heat yeah. and um I, we got wood chips in there <laughs> tobacco flakes and um some herbs and seasoning herbs they say don't they yeah. I was like, what's the secret? Like, secret is love, Louis. And um Do they always say Louis or is that just when you're there? <laughs> no, they don't they don't always say Louis. I just put that in there. And then they the um secret is love. The secret ingredient is love. They should bring them in when someone dies of a broken heart. Yeah. They should. <laughs> Those barbecue guys can save some lives in the hospital. If you knew how many goldfish we've saved, you'd be amazed. We're getting calls all the time. And time circus is in t- When a fairground's in town, we get run off our feet. It's crazy seeing those little choppers going. Um, and and how, you... how do you... Um, sorry, uh, uh, Texan barbecue man. I'm just wondering how you save the goldfish when they bring the goldfish into you and they're on death's door. How do you save them? We just get a little time. I think, you know, we get itty bitty bits of barbecued beef or pork and we just drop them into the, you can't, you got to be careful. You put too much in. Fish can overeat. I don't know if you knew that. And they die. The commonest way for a fish to die is overconsumption of anything, not just barbecue. If you put feed it, I've seen it, my own fish. Honest to God, this is me, Louis, now talking. It exploded. <laughs> we had a fish explode on us once. Yeah. Exploded? Yeah. Too much bread awful. before it's made Well, nail. we only think that that's what happened. But we know that when we went on holiday, there were three fish. And we, we tasked someone with feeding it every day. And I think they overdid it. And when we came back, there were two fish and then tiny little bits of fish. Oh, it died of a broken heart. <laughs> you, know, how about, 
it exploded from a broken heart. It didn't. It exploded from eating too much. So you yeah. can't, don't overfeed it, but just a little bit. Of, and then it tastes the love and, and then it can turn it around like that. If you ever have a loved one who's lost his partner or her partner, helpmate, soulmate, only prescription I know is one of my sandwiches. <laughs> And then on the side, also you, that does come. And then you've got your bread guilt free, right? Mm. Then you've got your delicious bread without any worries because you're on your main now. This is where you're in your sweet spot. This is where you're supposed to be at peak enjoyment. So you have all that shredded, slow cooked pork and um, some pickle, maybe, and um, some coleslaw and then some. Ooh, flowery white buns. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And some beans, some barbecued beans. Barbecue beans. Whenever I watch anything, I've, I mean, I watch a lot of TV shows about barbecue. That's mm. how I spend a lot of my day. Whenever I see that, I think that's the only other job that I'd really like, yeah. is to be the guys who just get up really early and put a whole hog on a barbecue and then just spend all day checking the temperature. Yeah, and also that thing of fat, of like water and fire because they spray it sometimes, don't they? And then the, they open up. It's like opening up the hood of a car or or, or like a vault in a bank, and they, they kind of raise it up, and then big gusts of steam come out, and there it is. And it's sort of the alchemy of like it changing the chemical composition of the of the meat changing. I feel bad, men. You know, I aspire to be vegetarian, and I'm I, I, and Clearly, I'm not um, because I eat meat. But so I had misgivings about recommending it. But it's my, it's my real weakness. Is a really good slow. I could I could care less about a Sunday roast. Do you know what I mean? Like just you know when people say oh, we got lamb for our Sunday roast, I'm like whatever. But I don't say that. <laughs> but with a re- if they said about it, and I'm like okay. But if they said it's been on since like nine o'clock last night, it's been cooking for sixteen hours. I'd be like okay, now you're talking. Yeah. Have yeah. you been spraying it with a little garden spray? <laughs> yes. Can you serve it to me with a weird, bad southern accent? <laughs> yes, I can, Louis. I can do that right now. Uh, and what was... Did you go for pork in the end? I think it's pork. I what feel like I do... Um, do you think one day they'd be able to make meat that tastes that good, but with vegetables? I like the vegetarian and vegan food where they're not trying to replicate stuff, and they just show mm. you how incredible vegetables can be and, non, and non-meat products can be to eat. And uh, those are the ones that make me go, actually, I could do this more. And, and then I'll go through a longer patch of not eating meat when I'm really getting into the dishes that meat couldn't even replicate if it tried. Yeah, you're so right. I'd like to see a meat piece of meat try and be a portobello mushroom. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Good luck with that. It would seem quite stubborn of the meat industry to now start investing money into making meat products that taste exactly like vegetables, right? Be worse than stubborn. It would be obtuse. Yeah. <laughs> it would be perverse. It's like, hey, guess what? Vegan food industry. You think you've got an impossible burger. We've got an impossible mushroom <laughs> made entirely with pork. <laughs> We've actually bred pigs and they're left trotters have gills like a mushroom and if the pigs lives are dreadful they'd walk around on these mushroom feet such absorbent feet absorbent feet the gills fill up with mud but 
we think it's worth it because when you taste these meat mushrooms, you are never going back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I was trying to think of another animal that you can make a, a vegetable out of, and then my first thought was going to be horse, and I was like, well, we don't eat that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do in France, don't they? Mm. And in, the, in those lasagnas that time, do you remember that? remember for a while when that was yeah. the big story in England? If you remember, and I feel bad mentioning it, some of the meatballs were made from horse, weren't were they? they? Oh, uh, so good. Right right chase, he knows he's eating pass horse that, Run that past your legal team before <laughs> you put that on air. Sure. You will get sued by a huge Scandinavian company. Who's this now? <laughs> it's another character, the <laughs> Swedish lawyer. <laughs> I've spent many years building my brand only to have it trampled on by a podcast, <laughs> making false allegations. Oh, jeez. Well, we would like to ask you, gonna... Swedish lawyer, we'd like to ask you what is in your meatballs then? If you claim there's no horse in these meatballs, you, you tell us what's in them. They're purely made of vegetables, fun you should ask. <laughs> oh, yeah, they... like... We don't advertise it. Oh, so I'm losing it. I'm yeah. losing. I'm, I had it dialed in. And you started going Irish. It was the, the, it was the it, advertise was the word that made you lose yeah. it there. You really slid off there. I was listening hard. to um, Desert Island Discs this morning and they had a Swedish guy on there. Mm-hmm. It was the head secretary general of NATO. He sounded a bit Irish, so maybe <laughs> I'm all right. Desert Island Discs guests are absolutely bonkers. Um, head secretary of NATO goes on and does it. Who well, Isn't he exactly the kind of guy who should be on it? Maybe. As opposed to, well, you would think they should be more up-and-coming comedians. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe get round to the funny people first, the entertainers. <laughs> Don't know why they'd go on to NATO before they've actually, you know... Do you feel like, do you feel like we've, been passed o- we've been passed over for NATO, James? Just a bit. When all this is over and the comedy club's open again, I won't be able to get a gig because the NATO guys are doing it. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, he was quite funny. His Irish, something about his accent, the way it went a bit Irish. It's highly amusing. (laughs) This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode of Off Menu is sponsored by Aura. James, are you ready to win Mother's Day? I am, Ed. I want to cement my reputation as the best gift giver in the family. I want to give my mom an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. May I say, James, I absolutely love the class 
and elegance with which you use the word mom, because this is for US listeners. All of your moms deserve a good Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. Yeah, I think your mum's going to love looking back on your childhood memories, seeing what you're up to today, seeing what you were up to back in the day, and even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mum's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving, James. Ed, answer me this. Who is the best gift giver in your life? Hmm, um, I'd probably say uh, my wife is a very good gift giver. Not that my mom is not a fantastic gift giver, but my wife's very good at little surprise things. She says, I've only got you a few things, and then there'll be little little surprises, things that we've seen throughout the rest of the year. I'll say to my wife, I like that, and then I forget about it, and then on the day, there's some lovely little gifts there for me that remind us of the year that we've just spent together. Oh, if you like being reminded of stuff, may I suggest photographs? That's a very good point, James. I think we should get ourselves an Aura digital picture frame and put some of our wedding photos on them. Right now, Ed, Aura has a great deal for Mom's Day, Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code OFFMENU at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So your side dish... The side dish... Let's make the side dish dal. I, I love dal. And um, it's so simple, isn't it? It's just a lot of garlic. Could be anything, you know, different kinds of dal. But at its simplest, it's just going to be some some oil and um, some lentil. Could maybe some tomato, but doesn't have to be. You can put some potato in there, but it feels like it's ticking several boxes. It's delicious. And one of my guilty pleasures... Actually, it's not even a guilty pleasure... There's a chain of um, of uh, quite sort of budget uh, Indian restaurants called Rasa, R-A-S-A. Have you ever come across those? No. They're around London and they're very basic and you go in, sometimes it's Rasa Express. I hope they still exist. I haven't been in one in a while. And you get what you ask for a veg box and they come out and, they, and it's like a little tray with uh, compartments, not unlike what you might find in the olden days on a... Um, Plain food, right? Where where the, the little this is where your pudding nestles, and this is where your carb you know your rice is in this little section. So it is all pleasingly formatted. Or in or in mm. prison, of course. I hate to take us back to prison, but mm. it's like a prison tray. They, they very often will do it like that, compartmentalized, which presumably is to sort of automate the process and guarantee um, consistent portion sizes, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe there's another reason. Maybe it makes them more stackable. Maybe there's a hundred reasons, but the point is it's deli- the food is is delicious. And um, and you used to be able to get a veg box for about like £3.50 maybe, and it was a complete meal. And it included a, um, a little chip- folded chapati. Was, the chapati would be folded like a little handkerchief. And one of the compartments was a delicious... Um, maybe I should have just ordered this at the beginning. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have to worry about... You know all the other things, but the the rice pudding. There's a little rice pudding section that would have sultanas in it, but I'm just after the dal. Yes. So I think we've narrowed in on what I'm after. I'm after the dal that they do at Rasa, that exact kind of dal. Would you like it in the the tray, but every compartment is filled with dal? We could do that. That might end up being almost too much. But do you want it in the tray and all the other compartments are empty? Uh, empty. Maybe that's better. 
Maybe it doesn't need to be in a tray. It let's not worry about the tray. Also, looking at your gazpacho, I've noticed the goldfish is flagging a bit. Do you want to transfer it to the dal? Uh, do you think it would do better in that? How hot is the dal? This is hot as you want it. I mean, temperature-wise. Oh, it's, spice it's wise. piping. It's piping hot. Well, what, what's your preferred spice? I would go for the dal. I'd go medium hot. It really varies. It's not as though there's a Beaufort scale mm-hmm. for, for restaurants. I mean, although they sometimes go like, you know, you're with an Indian food connoisseur or maybe just a pretentious chef. When my dad used to do this, because we used to go to an Indian restaurant every Sunday when I was growing up, and my dad would order a king prawn madras, but I'd like it vindaloo hotness. <laughs> yeah. like he's a man who knew his order. So he yeah, was like, he yeah. was hacking the menu. That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty special. So I think I would go for the dal, probably vindaloo hotness. Let's try that. So you're not putting a goldfish in that, You can't are you? put the goldfish in well, that. Well, you could try. If, it is de- if it's died from a broken heart, that might be the shock that it needs to bring it round. <laughs> yeah. Or did it die because it was choking on an olive oil cube? That's the thing, isn't it? That's what you've got to ask yourself. Is it that it's a broken heart or is it the fact you put it in some olive oil cube filled gazpacho for the first two courses? If the magic pork hasn't brought it back round, the mm. hot dal's not going to do it, is it? Yeah, if the Texan man didn't bring it back to life, then... <laughs> There's a man outside the restaurant knocking on the window. He's wearing a 10-gallon hat <laughs> and waving a tiny little shred of pork <laughs> and pointing at the fish. Right, I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> you know, can I confess something that I was thinking about before we started this? And on, on the way up the stairs, I was like, these are all the, like amazing foods and exciting sort of things and sometimes like you know think about sushi and and dal and and what i was recalling though is that we went so we went to indian restaurants every sunday growing up when i was i was you know raised in south london my family my dad's american my mum's british they were quite well traveled in fact they'd met in africa okay and so i think they prided themselves on having sort of cosmopolitan tastes but I and 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 I sort of I guess nowadays I'm I'm quite adventurous in what I, I'll, I'll there's almost there's very few foods I wouldn't be interested in trying and I'd give them a go because I sort of think you owe it to yourself while you're alive to experiment and you see people who are like averse to trying new things and and I always think well that you're a bit square and boring aren't you like mm-hmm. live a little you know what it's a it's an elk's eyeball how bad can it be <laughs> right yeah. but when I was small. Like, I didn't want to try any of those things. And the thing was, every time we went to an Indian restaurant on the Sunday, my dad would get his Vindaloo Hotness King Prawn Madras. I can't remember my mum's order. My brother always got a chicken biryani. And I would get fried chicken and chips. I didn't even want the rice. Like, I just yeah. wanted what I, what I considered to be, quote, unquote, normal food. Mm-hmm. My parents ate a lot of rice. I thought rice was weird. I was like, why can't we just have, like, chips or mashed potato or toast or something. Like, why do we have to have this weird thing that's in little bits, right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't know if that was typical of the 70s. Like, I just wasn't used to... Like, at school, you didn't get rice. Right, you, got, yeah. you got boiled potato, like, normal things, like bo- boiled potato, like... Yeah. And, or, you, like, can't I just have, like, um, hoops, you know, spaghetti rings on toast, spaghetti hoops on toast? Like, why can't I have, like, a normal thing, like a really sugary weirdo pasta in like weird sugary sauce like something normal like that (laughs) on like really white bread you know what i mean that to me was and so um and then they i remember when they whipped out these weird green uh 
strange vegetable fruit things which were called avocados, right? <laughs> and they would say, and I was like, what? okay, what's this? I was about 10 years old and it had something in, they'd taken out the stone and it had like some weird sauce in the middle and the, it's avocado vinaigrette. And I was, and I was like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother was always like, he was two years older and he'd like, he was like sort of perfect kind of like, oh yes, I'd love to try that. That looks delicious. And I'd think, you just don't get it, dude. You're just showing off, eating weirdo food that no one, like if you're on it, we all know that we don't want to eat this. Why are you pretending that you, and oh, this is delicious, mum. This is delicious, dad. I love it. And I'm like, get a clue. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I went, so I know this does, I'm telling the story against myself, but it's sure. just strange to, to imagine back um, to how averse I was. There was a phase during which every time my parents brought a meal out, and usually it was the weekend because by this time I was either uh, I was either at boarding school or we had a, a live-in au pair who would feed us, and it would just be something kind of like quite boring, like a pork chop and 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 chips or something. But when my parents cooked, it would be something a bit more adventurous, and I would just say, uh, "Sorry, I don't really like it." And I'd go and have a bowl of um, crunchy nut cornflakes, and my parents, God bless them would say, okay, that's fine, no problem. And I try and remember that because now I have kids and I'm like, why can't, come on, guys, just try a little bit of the um, melanzana a la parmigiana, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just have three mouthfuls? Come on. like. And then I remember like, do you know what? When I was their age, I was just even worse. So the, the, the point of that rather long anecdote, if it is an anecdote, is really just, um, you know, we grow and we change, don't we? How mm -hmm. How... And, and and sometimes it takes a while to embrace these other these other worlds and these other foods these other cuisines and I'm, I feel glad that I am where I'm at. Well, I mean, yeah. Also, the fact that you've got the career you've got, where you're literally throwing yourself into unfamiliar and uncomfortable situations a lot of the time, putting yourself out of yeah. your comfort zone. I never would have watched any of your, any of your shows and thought, I bet that guy didn't like rice when he was little. Yeah. I'm, I'm a yeah. very, I was very, anxi very, very anxiety prone to, to an extent. I still am. I was always worried about things. And, and that's been a constant through my upbringing and through my life has been that fear of anything that I hadn't done before seemed um, massively intimidating. Do you think that's normal or do you think that's yeah. weird? Yeah, I, I, I was like that. I, I was the only one in my cycling proficiency class who fell off their bike during cycling proficiency. And I knew it was going to happen before I even set off. We, we had to go down this hill. And before I even set off down the hill, I was like, I'm falling off. Because <laughs> I was just, I just like, I can't see this going well. I can't see yeah. me getting to the bottom of this. And everyone else had got to the bottom. And I fell off. And I remember laying on the grass verge while the rest of the class were running towards me. And while I was lying there, untying my left shoelace. And then when they got to me, I was like, oh, my shoelace got caught in the, <laughs> in the, in the pedals. Flip, flip me off. So, really, it was like, so not only did you fail your cycling proficiency, they also thought you couldn't tie your own shoes. Well, I would like to point out that I didn't fail it. I did pass it. But when they were giving out the certificates, they did say uh, James A. Caster. And then when I was on my way to get my certificate, they said still a bit wobbly. You you passed your cycling proficiency even though you fell off your bike. Yep. Did you pass it or did you? It's a class though, really, or is it a test? Do you, I don't think you can fail it, can you? I did. Like in other words, 
Did you? I, I failed did. it. Oh, uh, I literally got, got on my bike, started pedalling, I wobbled, <laughs> and they went, get off. Really? Yeah, you failed it. Imme- immediate, <laughs> immediate fail. Get off. Get off. Go home. I was oh. way worse than that, and I passed it. I just got, I, even when I was passing it, they told me I was wobbly. Yeah, well, they I failed mine immediately. The, the qualification. I failed my driving test three times, then passed the fourth. Once I failed it by default because I was late. Passed age 21, drove for about, you know, whatever, 10 or 20 years. And then in America, I had to take another test and thought, well, this would be easy. You know, because for the US test, the US license, and I drove off the DVLA, driver's vehicle, whatever, property, out onto the road. And the driver said, okay, take a right, take a right, take a right, take a right. I'm like, hello. We've gone in a circle. And you know what my thought went to? Like, he can see how good I am. And he's like, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste my time. You've got the skills. So let's just sign you off. So we came into the lot. So that was in my head. Like, oh, that was quick. I guess he's like, That's, you know, you've obviously been driving for 20 years. Yeah. And he said, okay, I'm failing you. <laughs> and I've abort- I'm failing you on the test with immediate effect. And I'm aborting the rest of the test. Dude, you know, more or less, I don't know if he said it, but due to fears of my own safety kind of thing. <laughs> he said, as soon as we exited the parking lot, you veered into the lane of oncoming traffic, which is an automatic violation. Oh, no. And I felt, you know, can you imagine as like a 40-year-old man being told, like, not only have you failed... I don't even feel safe in the car with you. <laughs> yeah. And you failed on the thing that everyone knows about, you know, yeah. like that, that. That's the main thing, really, isn't it's it? It's the main joke about British drivers and driving in England <laughs> as it's the other side of the road. And you just instantly, like you were in some sort of 90s Brendan Fraser film or something. I, I still don't. I still feel as though um, I got a bum rap with that. Like, I feel as though I, do, I don't think I did fear. I, I'm in denial, possibly. Sure. But... I think he was running some kind of scam and they were like, hey, the more they come back, the more money we make. So keep on failing them. Yeah. You know, it's not impossible. That's the rumour that goes around, isn't it? With uh, Yeah. Uh, same with cycling proficiency, of course, as Ed learned. Well, more fool them. I didn't go back. We should ask you what your favourite drink is. I'm going to go for a delicious... Uh, this has been helping me in lockdown... A, an American bourbon, mm. uh, probably Bullet, although there's one called Tin Cup that I've also been drinking. And it's I'd probably have it with, maybe on its own, just to have a sip. Or maybe I should have a Dirty Martini. <gasps> oh. oh. Well, we'll stick with the, 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 the Honourable Munchen, the Honourable honorable Drunchen, <laughs> could go to a Dirty Martini which would be like, as I came into the restaurant, if this really were the dream restaurant, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to have just one drink, sure, right? Yeah. Sure, No disrespect. Like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. Is it a dream restaurant or isn't it? What kind of genie are you? <laughs> um, so a dirty martini as I come in, really cold, like really, really cold. And with they, dirty means they put the, um, is it that they put a little bit of, Olive juice in it? Yeah, the brine, I think, so. I think yeah. A bit of the brine. <gasps> oh, yeah. That gets the party started, don't yes. you think? Yeah, I On an empty stomach, you haven't even had anything to eat yet. Two of those, and you're like, you know what, forget the meal. <laughs> but the pe- what about the pizza and the goldfish in the gas patch? You're like, nah, I'm just going to stick to the martinis. 
that's all I want. But if I was sensible, I'd just have the one. Yeah. And and then I'd probably move on to the bourbon. I'm making myself sound like a bit of a lush. But it's a kind of dream scenario, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When we ha- handed you the cold martini, dirty martini, when you come into the restaurant, say you'd arrive with your wife or whoever you're eating with, would you turn to them and before you take your first sip, would you say, let's get this party started? I think that, yeah, I think you know that I would. <laughs> yeah. I think that's exact. I think I'd say that. And, and then I'd point at the DJ and I'd give him a little nod. There's a DJ. And then Pink, and Pink yeah. would come on, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And then I would, yeah. and then I would move into a dance routine <laughs> that was sort of a little bit insouciant, insouciant, yeah. but also an effortless, but just pure suaveté, and without spilling a drop of my martini, I would be funking all over the floor. That's a good start to the party. That's a, I think that's too much of a start to the party of anything. <laughs> Sounds like a whole party. Yeah. Uh, if you're then going to just I'd, have to sit down for a minute. And then I'd stop dancing and then there'd be really awkward silence. <laughs> and no one would quite know. And we'd all be like, that was weird. It turns out, <laughs> And then it turns out you haven't paid Pink yet. So you need to get her bank yeah. details. Bax Pink. Yeah. <laughs> you have to Bax Pink. Yeah. <laughs> but you would like the bullet. I, then we, the bullet. If I, I, I try not to. Yeah. I have it. I think the point of the bullet really is that, like last night, I had, I think, two bullets, two bur- bullet bourbons with orange juice, which is, a, I think, probably bourbon purists, because I kind of, I don't I think I invented it. I think I one night, there was nothing to drink, and I was like, I'd been drinking sort of wine and gin and tonics, and I thought, well, there's this whiskey, but I really don't like whiskey. So I, I, I think I sent out a tweet that said, what can you put with whiskey that makes it not taste like whiskey? <laughs> and um, orange juice was the answer. Uh-huh. But it turns out with, especially with a bourbon where you haven't got a very delicate, that sort of delicate woody flavour that you get with um, whiskey, it's a, it's a simpler flavour. And with the orange juice, I think, doesn't really adulterate it. Mm-hmm. To me, it tastes like a nice. It's just a nice drink. Yeah, because b- bourbon's quite sweet anyway, right? So if you, it's quite add, sweet. It's yeah. just like a, a big old sweet cocktail. It's nice. Yeah, I love. Or squeeze bourbon. some. Um, you know, bourbon, as you rightly say, is so sweet that you can just squeeze like a couple of uh, or a lime or a lemon mm-hmm. into a with some ice into a glass of bourbon, and it's it's, it's delicious. Like the sweetness obviously counteracts the sourness of the lemon mm-hmm. or lime. It's a very nice drink. Handful of crunchy nut on there. Get, yeah, get of course. Yeah, sprinkle those into the drink. Old time's sake. Drink it quickly before they get soggy. Yeah. Why not? I mean, what doesn't... I used to think that there was nothing that didn't go well with um, toasted almonds. Right. Do you know what I mean? No. Like yogurt and honey and toasted almonds. Mm. Like a, a nice green leaf salad with like tomato, obviously lettuce and some avocado and some toasted almonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a nice chicken korma, toasted almonds, yeah. big time. Um, obviously, like a bowl of muesli or a nice bowl of Cheerios, yeah. toasted almonds. Yeah. A gazpacho with a goldfish, <laughs> toasted almonds. Yeah. A margarita pizza, toasted almonds. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't not work. What does it not... There's nothing like, this would be delicious, but the toasted almonds have ruined it. At the very mm. least, it's going to be... Like, I don't think it needed the toasted almonds. The gazpacho was fine without the toasted almonds, but it doesn't hurt. Lasagna? Lasa- it would work. That works. Fine. This, yes. is, this is kind of mind-blowing, Louis. I've never thought yeah. of this. Toasted almonds goes on anything. 
Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I'm trying to think now. I'm, I'm, try, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break it. You're thinking, like, what about my chocolate pizza? No. I'm saying 100%, oh, that 100% works. toasted on. Yeah, that uh, works on the Acaster flag. And that's sure. next level. I did think that. But I knew that you would play that. I, I knew that you both would be like, "That's even be- that's a better pizza now." So I, I didn't even. You might say sushi. Nah, that not. works. It's all right. You would probably chop them up really small and roll it in the toasted almonds. Lovely. I'm so on board with this theory. I really want to think of something. And it looks that- classy too. You know what's really nice with toasted almonds? You know, sometimes I got this from Nigel Slater. It's a different way of doing green beans or French beans. I think it's or fine beans. He's like. Steam them or boil them, obviously not too much, so they're still crunchy, then in a little butter and sprinkle with some toasted, toasted almonds. almonds. Very nice. Oh, Courgettes God. with a little bit of lemon juice and parmesan and toasted pine nuts. But if you can't get pine nuts, toasted almonds. Oh, I really can't think of anything because it's like sweet and savoury. It works on so it's And it's annoying. texture. It's just texture, isn't it? It's crunch. I don't even so like toasted almonds that much. <laughs> but it is improving every dish I think of. <laughs> Where were we? We, we? we were talking about... Your whiskey. Your whiskey, the yeah, whiskey, the bourbon. The bourbon. Bourbon yeah, and orange bullets. juice. That's going to be the weakest place for the t- toasted almonds, but might be all right. I got absolutely... One, one night in Brighton after a gig, me and some friends went out and I went to a bar and I dr- drank bullet bourbon for the first time and had it all night. And at one point, it was like a, mu- a musical-themed bar. There's loads of posters of musicals all around. And I was walking down the stairs to the toilets, and there were posters all the way down the stairs by your... They basically stretched from the ceiling to your feet, massive posters. And there was one for Oliver, and the lead in Oliver on the poster, the person playing Fagin, was, at the time, my ex-girlfriend's new partner. And I, I saw this poster... And because I was drunk and I'd had so much whiskey, for, I, for a laugh, I thought it'd be funny, I just kicked the poster. But it was like in a, a glass frame. So I kicked it and the whole thing came off the wall and smashed all over the stairs. And there's just loads of glass all over the stairs on this big Oliver poster. And then I just turned around and walked straight out the bar back to the hotel. <laughs> and then the next morning I woke up and felt really bad about it. So I returned to the bar. It was the daytime now and I went, and the same barman. And I went up to the bar and I said, um, I smashed a poster last night here. I'd like to pay for it if that's okay. And they, they just laughed and they were saying, oh, we, people smash posters here all the time. It's fine. And then he started calling me the bullet guy and saying, like, this is the bullet guy. You were fond of the bullet last night. You had so much bullet. Oh, and then no. they were calling me bullet guy. You don't want to be bullet guy. You do no. not want to be a guy named after a drink he likes. No, it was bad. It was a... Maybe I haven't, I haven't had it you must have How much? And do you think that's put you off, Bullet? Yeah, because I, I I love whiskey still, and I have different different kinds of whiskey, but I've never had that one again because like it was just it was all I drank the whole night. Because you were loving it, you were I in the Bullet zone. I was you were like, it. Was this is the best on. drink ever. Were you drinking it straight or with a with a mixer or how were you I was drinking having it? Having it straight, which I didn't usually do, because i would recently been told off by Ashton B's uncle for putting anything else with whiskey. He just said, you, you cannot do that. So I was oh, trying that's to... That's what I'm worried about. I'm inviting all kinds of judgment mm. by, by um, talking about mixing with whiskey, but... This is your dream restaurant, though, Louis. You can't... dream restaurant. Dessert. Okay, honourable munchen, bread and butter pudding. Yeah. Yes. Poached pears mm-hmm. 
I want to say Clemfutis, but I don't know what that means. Is it Clefutis? Clefuti. Yeah, what is that? I don't know, but I know that's the word. I just like that. Pear Clefuti. Do you ever see things on a menu where you're like, I don't even know what that is, but I want to get it because I <laughs> yes. like the sound of the words. Or the other thing is, do you ever see where they describe the thing and you're like, that sounds, you know, like they'll say, delicious lettuce with shredded tomato, finely drizzled in olive oil and vinaigrette and shredded carrot. And you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And then you look at it, you're like, hang on, it's just lettuce, tomato and carrot. Do you know what I mean? You you check yourself. You're like, the words on the page look inviting, but if you think Mm. about what that is, you actually don't... And then it arrives and you're like, oh, wow, that really is what it is. You know what set that dish off? Yeah, what? We all know. Some toasted almonds. You you, you don't even know how right you are. (laughs) (laughs) Because that would... Sometimes something like that and a little bit of goat's cheese, maybe? Mm, yeah. Little yeah, things yeah. like that make a big difference. Goat's cheese won't go on everything, though. No, definitely not. It's one of those things It's like, it's kind of delicious and disgusting at the same time. Is it? It's one of the things when you're a kid, you're like, this is horrible. And as you get older, you're like, it's horrible, but kind of okay. It's kind of de- delicious, but horrible. It is weird and horrible, mm. but delicious? Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Do you know those things that are somehow on the edge? Yeah. If you have too much of it. Or you have it on the, the wrong day. The first taste I have of goat's cheese is still like, ooh, <laughs> not quite, mm, my face, My face is changing from yeah. disgust to like, yeah, grudging kind of enjoyment. Because it, yeah. it hits you right on the back of the palate, which is exactly where you might feel like a bad burp or something. Mm. Yeah, bad burp is still pretty good though. Yeah, even the worst uh, burps are the, the best. Oh, everything about it. But my, I'm, gonna, I'm arriving at a, a delicious chocolate brownie with ice cream. I love a brownie. I love chocolate. Mm-hmm. I love chocolate's my, uh, is it my guilty pleasure? Is it my secret lover? Is it my kryptonite? Is it yeah. all of the above? I think it's allowed to be all those things. It's, it's ambrosial, isn't it? I like that word. It is ambrosial. It's this mysterious um, flavor that really indescribable. You know, what does chocolate taste like? Well, like chocolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a warm and rounded, almost fecal, if I can say that. Um, in its sort of, you know, like, I think like a really good, no, I won't say it, shit. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, it's something about the, 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 is it umami? It's anyway, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the depth and warmth and the earthiness of, of a delicious chocolate. Oh, it was explained to me as well that one of the unique properties of chocolate is that because it hovers and melts around, obviously it's solid at uh, room temperature, but at mouth temperature, it melts. Mm. I mean, this is self-evident. Hello, yeah. you know, I, I have seen minstrels adverts. It melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Well, yeah. that's quite literally the case. And that's why when you have a piece of chocolate, toasted almonds can't do that. No, no, that's true. But they would go lovely on a brownie, though. They really would. It is hard to think of another thing that would melt in your mouth and not in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because you would say, oh, well, come on, butter... No, butter melts in your hands. It does hand. melt in your hands. Sorry, hand, James. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, a candle, bad luck, James. Apology, bad luck, a candle James. melts in neither your hand nor in your mouth. No. Nor, nor should it. <laughs> oh, that's my first two guesses, but I'm in a candle. Cheese, cheese doesn't melt in the mouth at all. It feels like it should. No. Maybe brie would melt. Brie would melt in both. Brie melts yeah. at room temperature. Yeah. Keep trying. <laughs> I'm going to read your order back to you now, Louis. See how you feel about it. 
for the water course, you wanted a jug of gazpacho with olive oil cubes and a goldfish in it, and you wanted the goldfish removed and put into sparkling water when it's struggling. <laughs> Problems or bread, you chose uh, sweet loaves from Red Lobster. You have a little nibble, but no more. Starter, very small Grimaldi's pizza, margarita. Main course, slow roast barbecue pork. Side dish of dal from... Uh, a dal, Vindaloo hotness dal from... Where was it? Rasa. From Rasa. Drink... Cold, dirty martini when you enter the dream restaurant and a bullet bourbon later on. Dessert, a chocolate brownie with ice cream. And just to check with you, would you like me to add toasted almonds to all of those <laughs> all of those dishes? Yes, please. Absolutely. Toasted almonds for all of them. The genie will fly over with a crop duster at every course <laughs> and just cover everything in toasted almonds. Oh, amazing. I want my life crusted in toasted almonds. <laughs> that sounds amazing. When you read that back, I thought, wow, I really nailed it. That sounds amazing. It does sound really good. You did good. say at the start it would be inedible, but I think that makes sense. No. No, I really enjoyed that. It was really fun. Well, there we have it. What a great time we had in the Dream Restaurant with Louis Theroux. Very exciting to have him here, James. Absolutely. Great menu and a great cast of characters as well. So many characters this week. It's not It's not often that we have so many visitors to the Dream Restaurant in one single week. We had uh, yes. Southern Barbecue Man. We had Swedish Lawyer. Yep, all sat around a table enjoying their toasted almonds together. Yes, uh, it was a lovely episode. Great menu. Uh, thank you very much for coming in, Louis. Uh, remember, Louis's book is out in paperback now. Got to get through this. Uh, yes. So go and check that out. I know I will be. Uh, and also... Louis uh, is is busting onto our patch. He does a podcast now called Grounded with Louis Theroux, where where he interviews people. Uh, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before he has the head of NATO on. Oh, yeah, head of NATO's got to be on there. And I'll tell you what, we should get the head of NATO on this podcast, actually, Ed. And hopefully, just like Louis, he will not say tarragon on his menu and we won't have to chuck him out the restaurant. Do remember uh, that we have merch available. Uh, You can go and pre-order it now on offmenupodcast.co.uk. There's brilliant T-shirts that we specifically had designed by our favourite artists. So go and check those out. There's tote bags, there's tea towels, there's mugs, there's all sorts of things. Go and have a little look at our website for that. Uh, Hit up our socials. Uh, when you've ordered the merch and let us know that you've ordered some uh, at Off Menu Official on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and also don't forget to review and subscribe to the podcast. Go on, yes. leave it five stars on Apple. Push us up those charts, baby. Uh, push, us and up. push us up. Push us up. Thanks, James. Uh, James is a brilliant hype man. I don't know. He just, yeah. he just repeats the last thing other people have said in an in a enthusiastic manner. Enthusiastic manner. There we are. So, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We will see you again next week with another brilliant guest. But for now... Tuck that napkin in and bash your knives and forks on the table. It's dinner time! Hi, I'm Gina Martin, a campaigner and writer. And I'm Stevie Martin. I'm a comedian and writer and also we're sisters. We are sisters and we're doing our new podcast, Might Delete Later. It's a podcast about social media, about going back, looking at your embarrassing ones, things you like, things you don't like, and we're talking to all different types of people. So many different types of people. We've got writers, we've got comedians. Maybe we'll get a politician. Maybe we'll get a dog. Maybe I'll talk to a plant. Deal with it. Who knows? It's like a little snapshot into people's social media lives. Yeah, and hopefully it'll make you think more about how you use social media 
and how you feel about it. So do subscribe on all of the platforms that you usually get your podcasts on and visit at MightDeleteLaterPod on Instagram because we're going to be putting up really fun videos and the things that you didn't see in the podcast episode. Ooh, exciting. Thanks, dudes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, it's Rob Orton here. Now, I've got a podcast called the Rob Orton Daily Podcast. It's a short poem or story or amusing on a particular subject every single day. What if you commissioned Picasso to paint your house and you just painted it white? Would you be annoyed? Wouldn't it be good if you could pour Miracle Grow onto other things, such as pizzas? Have you ever thought about what a beach might be like if it was made from digestive biscuits? Have you ever tried to cry about something you're not thinking about? If you would like to listen to a daily podcast that includes subjects I've mentioned there, then please listen to the Rob Orton Daily Podcast.